Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. That will be open for the next two segments. Plan on talking because the Cajuns are playing on Wednesday, which is strange. Kind of got us all out of whack. We didn't do... Gerald, like we normally do on Friday, so we'll do him at about 9.35 and then our weekly interview with Cody Juno at 10.15. And I, we're going to be talking some UL football, but a lot of NFL issues with, with, with Gerald um, as well is the plan anyway. It is the beginning of the division round series and um you know you you've known me long enough i'm always concerned i'm not an elitist i don't i don't or i try not to be i don't we've all seen upsets especially in baseball it's just so different in baseball it's just you know you know it's it's a lot of it's about matchups a lot of times the game beats you not so much the other team and so that's why, you know, all this stuff can happen. And so we are um, the advantage theoretically for the teams that are hosting in this round is that they can set their pitching staffs and theoretically the other team that had to play the, the two out of three wild card round can't set their pitching staff. But Here's the problem with the Astros series. Theoretically, your number two pitcher for Seattle is Robbie Ray. Well, Robbie Ray, the Astros absolutely own Robbie Ray. Robbie Ray is not the Mariners' second best pitcher. I believe Logan Gilbert is. And so... Logan, Logan Gilbert has done very well against the Astros this year, and he's going to be pitching game one today. And so essentially, even though you played two games in the last round, I uh, you, you, you're starting your number two pitcher, your second best pitcher, I should say. Does it matter with the... I guess, essentially what number one, number two, number three, number four is. Logan Gilbert's their second-best pitcher. And I think there was one game where the Astros hit him pretty good. But all the other games, they didn't do anything against Logan Gilbert, the Astros. So, um, now, I don't know that they lost all the games necessarily, but they didn't do it against him. It was against relief pitching. So, it's – I I think that is – a lot of that's – in fact – if I was Seattle, I wouldn't even start Robbie Ray. Now, I guess if you get to a game five or whatever game that they might feel like they don't have another reasonable starter, then you go. But, you know, 
in the first three games or first four games, as many games as you can go where you feel like you have a, a normal start, I, I just wouldn't pitch Robbie Ray. Uh, I guess there's somebody. I mean, the guy won to Cy Young last year, and he had a pretty good second half this year. So there's obviously somebody that he matches up well with, but it ain't the Astros, and it wasn't the Blue Jays. He got lit. And so uh, he just, he's just gotten, he's had, you know, he's had a bounce back after a rough first half. You know, when you win the Cy Young kind of out of the blue, you're going to have a medicine, you're going to have a medicine stretch. I mean, you just, you're you're not going to follow up on the year. That's just, especially, um, you know, if you're someone like Verlander or Scherzer before, you know, like that, then, yeah, they're going to follow up. But a guy like Robbie Ray who kind of wins the Cy Young out of the blue, he's not going to follow up on that. He's going to have a medicine season, and he did. But he did do much better after getting totally lit early on. Uh, He did did have a bounce-back second half and helped them get into the postseason for the first time in 21 years. Uh, But I wouldn't wouldn't pitch him. So, no, I – look. The um, it's not a great matchup because you're playing a team that own, that that is familiar with you. Historically, the Astros have completely dominated the the Mariners. I mean, like no other team. So, like the man, I'd have to go back and look. It would be interesting. In recent years, the Dodgers, the Punks, have completely dominated the Padres. But the Astros' domination of Seattle, I mean, it goes back. It goes back over a decade. Like, even when the Astros were terrible, they could beat Seattle. And and they, they've always beaten Seattle. But this year, um, it was it was tougher. And they ended up 12 and 7, but I want to say they were down like 7 to 6 at some point and just finished really strong. It was um the Astros have no idea how to get Ty France out. Ty France is like, you know, is Tony Gwynn to the Astros. Like, they cannot get him out. Uh, they really struggled to get J.P. Crawford out this year. J.P. Crawford had a lot of really good at-bats against the Astros. And Kyle Raleigh's a guy who... um, He kind of got a little Mike Zanino in him. An ex-Mariner who gave who tortured the Astros in the in the pandemic ALDS. Um, he he he's got pop in his back. You can strike him out, but he's got pop in his back, and he seems to be developing a little bit of a flair for the dramatic. So he's a he's a guy who he's aggressive. He's going to swing, and so you can get him out, but. Um, but he's also got pop in his bat. So, again, most of the country, they don't know anything about the Seattle Mariners. And so they just overlooking them. Of course, on this show, I've been telling y'all about the Seattle Mariners all season long. I thought they'd make the playoffs going into the season. I picked them as one of my playoff teams going into the season. So there is no, you know, I'm not surprised by them being where they are at all. Um. I know how many good hitters they have, and I know how many good pitchers they have. And in fact, their pitching this year is not quite. It didn't end up quite as good as I expected it to be. I, their bullpen potentially is really good. Their bullpen was actually better last year than it is this year. Um, the, 
they um, they had some rough stretches in the pen, and they're actually better than they pitched. I think I think their pitching's a little better than they pitched this year, but 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 they've done. Uh, no, it's very scary, no question. And again, the other thing that's scary about this series is. It's nothing for the Astros to go out there and score zero, one, or two runs. The Astros have a lot of games. They're not as good offensively as they have been earlier in this streak that this year. They're just not. I mean, they have a lot of games where they score zero, one, or two runs. Way too many for me to make for me to feel really comfortable about this series. And so we'll see. The Astros have pitched great. Astros are where they are because they've pitched great this year. But the Mariners have hit the Astros probably better than anybody. Certainly one of the top two, you know, early in the season, they were just lighting the Astros up. Like, they just – now, I don't even know that they'll face Urquidy. But they lit Urquidy up big time. They lit Verlander up once. Now, the other games, they didn't do as well. But they, they – in about four of their seven wins this year, I mean, it wasn't even competitive. They just – they just crushed the Astros. And um, so we'll see. It, it will it will be an interesting series, I think. Um, you know, I hear the word competitive. I think that's a tricky word. Um, was the 19, what was that, 1961, 1960, was that a competitive series? You know, it's kind of funny. Like when the Astros got swept in the World Series in 2005, if I remember correctly, three of the four games were one run and the other one was two runs. And the only team in the the only team in the whole series that had a lead of four or more runs at any point in the whole series was the Astros and they lost. I mean, so was that a competitive series where every the just about every the game was close in every inning of the series, but the Astros just happened to not win any of the games. Then you have other series where you know they got games like ten to two or you know six to one, and the games themselves are not really that competitive, but different teams win these non-competitive games. And so most people look at that as a closer series. So I, I, you know, I think that word competitive is, I mean, the Astros could win or Seattle for that matter. One of these teams could win three, could sweep and every game be go 15 innings. Was that a competitive series? Yeah, to me, but technically it's a sweep. So that indicates not a competitive series. So it's kind of, you know, it depends. That whole word competitive is kind of how, how you look at it. But, uh, you know, like the Rays-Guardian series was competitive. But it was two to one and one to nothing. But one team swept the other. So you say, well, that was a sweep. They swept it, which indicates dominance, but not really. So we'll see. I, I you know, I, I the or do the Padres believe they can beat the Punks? I don't know. They've beaten them so few times in the last four or five years. I don't know. I don't know what they believe. I don't know that they can believe that. I, I, I don't see. I don't see how the Phillies beat the Cardinals. So I certainly don't see how they're going to beat the Braves. Um, and I just don't. I don't think the. 
I I don't I don't think that I just don't think the Guardians can score. They just don't score any runs ever. I I I, I could see them holding the Yankees down, but at some point you got to score runs. I, I just don't see them being able to outscore the Yankees, but we'll see. We'll see. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Well, so uh, are you calling it Astros in five? Uh, if I had to make a prediction, uh, that that's a fair. I, I could go with that, yeah. Yeah, if I was uh, Seattle, and I'm not sure why they uh, used Kirby to close uh, the game, the uh, the game Saturday, and not uh, Seawald, but uh, in light of Ray's struggles, I might be inclined to start uh, George Kirby uh, over uh, Robbie Ray as well. Oh, I and agree. They still, they still have Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, he, he's more of a finesse guy. You know, he, he pitches well at times. He's given the Astros fits at times. I mean, a lot of teams have. The Astros don't score very many runs. But, um, but no, I, I, he, I've seen him pitch very well against the Astros before. And uh, uh, as far as France, and then they've got, uh, you named uh, Cal Raleigh, got Hanniger, uh hopefully Julio's uh, 100% or close to it, so. I'm I'm expecting some good series. I know people probably think the Yankees will crush Cleveland, but I think their starting pitching is pretty good. I wouldn't be surprised to see Quantrill go six uh, six innings, maybe a little bit more today. No, I, I, I well, he completely shut the Astros down earlier this year. But again, a lot of a lot of people shut the Astros down. But uh, but no, I, I think the the Guardians will pitch well. I, I just don't know if, they, you know, I, I think the Guardians are the Rays in this series. I, I just don't know if they can score enough runs, but we'll see. Yeah, well, you're you're right about that. They're not a home run hitting team, but uh, I like the teams that put the ball in play, put pressure on the other team's defense, uh, let them uh, make the plays, take the extra base, make them throw you out, so. Uh, what did you think of uh, Bucky's little performance? Uh, you know, it was it was it was seemed like a desperate move, but you know, I'm good. I'm good with ploys, you know. But I mean, you got to take the heat, you know. I'm sure he, he's taking a lot of heat after that, so that's part of the deal. Yeah, my 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 only problem was, uh, you know, when they. Started around the fifth inning, uh, they started bringing up uh, this spin rate uh, and what his spin rate was that particular game. Well, you know, uh, do these people know what an average is? Because they were complaining, well, he's throwing above his average. Well, his average is his average. That means... There are days when he has a better spin rate, yes, and days when he doesn't, yes, and it all, you know, comes out to an average. So, hey, he just happened to have his ace plus stuff uh, Sunday night, yes. But uh, you know, I mean, when you when you're the prohibitive favorite, like uh, the national media made the Mets out to be, uh, I guess uh, 
you you get desperate. So uh, I guess that maybe what's to be expected. But I'll be watching starting at noon and hopefully doesn't end till midnight. Twelve hours of baseball. It's almost like uh, the first couple of days of the tournament. Yeah. And no, that, it's, and it's that tremendous. Starts, uh, in a month, yeah. College hoops. <laughs> I know you hate them, but I love them. Uh, all righty. Okay, Kevin. Take care. Bye. Yes, ma'am. Now, Seawall did play in that second game against the Blue Jays. He just but didn't he close. Just, he pitched terribly. It was like they, they ball after ball, and then they had, then for some reason Scott purposefully he intentionally walked um Guerrero and I was like for why now you had loaded bases and a possibility for runs to come in and then Seawald came in and gave two walks to bring in two of their extra runs give them to eight so Seawald was it came in the game yeah. he was just pitching completely terribly for some reason all of our last pitchers all wanted to hit the Blues I'm like are we trying to give them runs <laughs> like can we not <laughs> So, Seawalt did yeah, go in, he just didn't stay in. Last year, the Mariners' bullpen was just great. And, and this year, even though they've gone for their bullpen hasn't pitched as well. I, no. I, I, they, they're, they're, they're all trying, I think, but they're not, to what I've been hearing from what came from last year, it's just not as great as we were hoping it was no, going to be. No, they had more but, arms, and they, they just did better. So, we'll, yeah. we'll, 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 we'll see. So, again, I think on paper, the Astros have the better bullpen, but – you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get the lead late for that to matter, and we'll see um, how that plays out. All right, let's take a timeout. We'll come back, discuss a little bit what we saw last night. Is it me, or has there been a lot of really controversial head coaching decisions in the NFL this year? There's been a lot of them. I mean. Uh, coaches just their game management skills or decisions being really um, questioned. Uh, we'll discuss that next on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers in the Houston. Welcome back to the game. Kevin Foot on footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home. For the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros, obviously the Astros will be playing game one of the 2022 ALDS against the Seattle Mariners. Astro launch scheduled for 2.07. First pitch set for 2.37. Verlander versus Gilbert. Uh, we got some sort of report yesterday about some sickness or illness in the Astros. Um, clubhouse, so that was um, maybe postponing some final decisions about rotations and such. So we'll we'll just kind of you know keep that in the back of your mind. But um, no, should be should be a very interesting series. Four days of baseball. I won't be able to you know I'll be traveling today, and so I'll be able to catch it when I can. It's um. I don't know. Hopefully I can watch a little more. Hopefully it's a quick game and the Astros win like two to nothing or three to nothing. That would be tremendous and it's quick and I can see just about all of it. That's kind of what I'm hoping for. But uh, uh, normally it doesn't work out that way. So I'm, I'm not really expecting that to happen. All right. Last night, Raiders 
versus Chiefs in my house. That's kind of a Stalin versus Hitler game, uh, you know, because Michelle is a Bronco fan, so she really, really, really hates the Raiders, and she really, really hates the Chiefs. And so it's, um, it's you know, it's like, can both of these teams lose? It's one of those things. And it was very strange at the end of that game. You know, I've, I, I've talked about game management. I've been uh, someone who talks about game management all the time for many, many years, even before it kind of became a popular term. And I just... I understand that the way that things have always been done is not what everybody believes anymore in in certain areas. And one of them is the idea, you know, how much you go for it, how much you on fourth down is different now than it used to be. Uh, You know, there are more people going for it on their side of the field way more now than they used to. I saw a game over the weekend, and somebody went for it from, like, their own 15-yard line or something. It was crazy. But so that's different, whether you go for two. See, most of my life, you going for two wasn't even an option in the NFL. So, you know, you say, well, they didn't used to do that. Well, they, they didn't even used to have two-point two point conversions in the NFL. hasn't been here. I don't know what – I don't remember the first year, but it hadn't been that long. Most of my life, there was no two-point conversions. So the Don Shulas and all them Tom Landry, they never had to worry about whether to go for two or not. So you say, well, analytics is changing the way of doing it. Well, there was no way before. It wasn't even an option. And so, um, you know, it's funny because the Saints over recent years have been terrible at two-point conversions. Well, I didn't know this because I don't follow the Raiders, but I saw the stat because of what happened last night that they they didn't convert any two-point conversions last season. None. Zero. Zip. And and that they're very good in overtime. And Derek's cars, since Derek Carr's been a starter, they've been terrible at two-point conversions, and they've been really good at winning in overtime. Well, I don't know if Josh McDaniel knew all that history, ever anyone ever told him all that history. I don't know. But he went against all of that last night and went for two. I'm just – I get analytics, and I've endorsed a lot of the analytics. I've, I've you know, changed my thinking about this and that, and I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm good with things that I've never been good with, in, you know, for most of my life as a sports fan. And, 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 and so I'm, I'm, it's not that I'm just totally stuck in the old way – but I just think when you're down by, I kind of get what the Chiefs did. They score a touchdown. They're up by six. No, they're up by seven. So they're like, well, I can kick the extra point and go up eight, but it's still a one-possession game. But if I make the two-point conversion – then it makes it a two-score game. So that's kind of going for it, really going for it. And it didn't work. Didn't happen. The two-point conversion didn't happen. Um, then down seven, the Raiders score with about four and a half minutes to go. 
and they don't kick the extra point to tie it. I just, I just can't go for that. I just now watching ESPN this morning um, before I came in. They said last night in their big, you know, all their little group of analysts that it was about 50-50, that about 50% of the people agreed with Josh McDaniel, which which surprises me. I just I just can't go for that. I I I guess if you get it and you're up by one and nothing else happens, you win. And if you get a stop, you win. Like they got a stop and they still didn't win. So I guess that's the argument. Like you say, well, if if, if you, you tie them, then you get a stop and you go down and win. Well, they got a stop and they still didn't win. So I guess his point was, if I get the two-point conversion right here and I don't get a stop, I still, and I get a stop, I mean, I, I win. I don't have to do anything after the stop. I just have to get the stop. Of course, you could argue, would you have gotten the stop if it was tied? Mm. I don't know. I uh, I would have been furious. I'm telling you that if I was a if 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 Dennis Allen had a chance to tie the game and he went for two with four minutes to go, I I would have been hyperventilating. I would have been so angry. I, I I'm whew, I'm sure there were a lot of angry Raider fans when he did that. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello, Foot. I'm not a Raiders fan, and I was angry. Yeah, I was. That was tough to watch. I mean, I I can't understand what those coaches think about. I mean, you fight all the way back. I mean, I know they were leading early, but you, you fight back and you go to tie the game and you go for two. I mean, even I, I think even if he makes it, so what? Kansas City still probably would have made a field goal to win, but you got to give your, chance, your team a chance to, to, to be tied and, and make a stop. I I I agree. I, I'm I'm not for that. I again I get some of the new age stuff, but I I'm not I'm, I, I would not have if he if he'd asked me what to do, I'd have said kick the extra point. Can you believe we're about to we're about to play a, a postseason game in the, in a couple of hours? Oh yeah, I mean they've been doing that for a while. I mean, that that don't make no sense. I mean uh, that, that that's going to either ruin my whole day. Or I'll be able to watch baseball the rest of the day from twelve o'clock noon. I mean, uh, that's too early to play a game. I mean, oh, I can I, remember I when we used to, when 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 Maddox used to throw balls out the zone and get called strikes against us in the playoffs. That was those were all day <laughs> games. Those were all day games. I remember being at home screaming and hollering and throwing stuff. That was those were day games. Did you have to go back and, and say that? I mean, well, it's what happened. No, that's not you what happened. Want to meet a lie? Yeah, that's when Maddox. That's when that's when the Braves had a real, uh, a really good pitching staff back but then. They and didn't then have to throw strikes. I didn't to, have to worry. They as didn't much have as to I throw. They didn't have to throw strikes to get a strike call. So what time is the Astro game? Six. Uh, Two thirty-seven. Oh, so you play right after the Braves? Yep. You gonna be able to watch it? Nope. I'm a, well. I'll be able to watch some of it. Um, my, my flight back on Thursday is right at game time. Oh. It's going to be yeah, a but what about I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be in the airport, but I'll be able to watch some of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So you'll be able to watch the Braves game? Uh, Maybe a little bit. I'll be at work before that, but maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ho- hope we win. So we need a win today. If we, I mean, game one is very important in the, in the best of five. 
I mean, especially when you're at home. You, you almost, Look, you almost every game you play, other than if you get 3-0 up, 3-0 in a best of seven, every playoff you game you play is huge. Unless yeah, you're up like 3-0. One, but yeah. Game one at home, is it, it, cool. it has to be the most important game. Better not be rusty. You're right about that. Well, all right. For, all right. You later. Thanks for the call. Take one more. And then we'll get to a timeout and get to Gerald. Hello, you're on the game. Sports. Yes, sir. sir. Howdy. Hey, I mean, uh, just got a, one comment and then one question for you. My comment is there's analytics and then there's common sense. And I'm going to leave it at that. Yes. Uh, talking about the Raiders game. Yes. Uh, my question is, uh, well, I guess it's a question and my point of view, but the Nola no call was probably one of the biggest blunders ever. But how about the referee Bulger? I, I didn't get a chance to listen to your show yesterday. But how about Tom Brady p- pitching a fit to try to get uh, a personal foul roughing the Panther? I mean, that was so egregious that even the referee that was a, a, a analyst on the Monday night game said that call was totally wrong. I know how you are on 50-50 calls. Yeah. That wasn't even close. Yeah, that, that wasn't a 50-50 call. I, I thought the one last night, look, I, I don't think either one of them should have been roughing the passer. I thought the one last night was a little more understandable just because he actually fell on him. The problem with that is what are you supposed to do when you're grabbing the ball and, you're, and, you're, and your force is going forward? I mean, you can't suspend yourself in midair. I it's like I say in basketball sometimes. Like, what do the, the official expect the player to do, the defensive player to do? He can't just – I mean, I, I don't know. I, they've got to they've gotta figure out a way to tell them, you, you know, you got to protect him, but, but you got you to gotta have be somewhat sensitive to physics and what you expect a 300-pound defensive player to do with his body. I mean, Booger McFarlane was on TV last night basically saying you're taught – you know, you can't hit them high in the helmet. You can't hit them low anymore. So you're taught to grab and roll. And that is, that's exactly what Brady Jarrett did. Not saying Atlanta would have won the game, but they were down 21 nothing with a chance to get the ball back with about 250 left in the game. You, so, I mean, basically the ref, that was totally subjective, like, like you say basketball is, and he basically stole a game from Atlanta. Well, he he stole he 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 absolutely stole Atlanta's chance of of making a comeback. They were down by six. They'd have been getting the ball. There was enough time left. I think three minutes or something. So yeah, he stole their opportunity to 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 have for a comeback win. Absolutely. And I mean the fact and that they you don't know, Atlanta care. Was two and two. Tampa was two and two. And there's no grief. There's no remorse. And they don't care. And they, they their their whole thing is to the public. This is our message to you. We're going to do what we want to do, and what can you do about it? Exactly. We cannot do anything, and they don't care. Right. Yes. That's <laughs> Have it. Have a good one, Kevin. All right. Go Strolls. All right. Thank you, sir. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Shift gears. We'll ask about that and several other things with our friend Gerald Broussard next on the game. Do your loved ones run for cover when watching a game with you? Then Footnotes is the show for you. Time for more Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot Footnotes on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you about an opportunity um, to take part in maybe a 5K or a 10K or a run paddle run. I don't know if Gerald or I are equipped for any of that stuff. Well, I know I'm not for sure. You could do so through Lafayette's historic district and end up at Gerard Park for Festival Acadia and Creole on Sunday, October the 16th. Uh, taking part in the event helps support local parks, community projects, and the festival itself volunteer or register by going to latrail.org that's latrail.org all right it's a little bit different because of this midweek football stuff that we should be used to by now but i don't know that i'll ever get used to playing football on tuesday and wednesday or wednesday like the cadence have so many times uh so we're speaking with gerald on a tuesday how are you sir i'm doing well doing real good all right, so I want to try to get, you know, I think like a fan uh, most of the time, and you think like a coach most of the time. So try to explain to me and maybe broaden my mind here on this subject. If you were on the rules committee or you know a coach on the NFL rules committee, why would you not want um, something in place to prevent calls that decide football games and you're worried about whether the game, instead of worrying about whether the game is going to last three hours and 10 minutes or three hours and 17 minutes. I just don't understand that mentality. As a coach, you don't care. Yeah. I'm just saying thinking as a coach and look, you I mean, a lot of the things that the coaches do, we, we can control the length of the game or could control the length of the game. I mean, you can't control the TV timeouts and stuff like that, but you can control the pace of play and the speed of play. In fact, we, we use the term often shortening a game uh, just by running a football, but no rules. Look, you deal with the rules that are given to you. You don't worry about anything that that's you talk about it. Well, once it's in play, I mean, very little control is is there. They talk about coaches being on rules committees and all that kind of stuff. And you know, look, I I, I don't. You deal with the hand they did. You just deal with the hand that's dealt, and then you try and make the best of it. As fans, I think it's different now being on the other side of it, looking at it. Yeah, it 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 is different, and maybe that's why I'm not a very good fan. Uh, simply because if I get bored, I walk away. You can't walk away. I know you. I've seen you. I've, I've watched how you live through this and stuff. And I've told you often, I, I don't know how you do it. I really don't know how your wife does it. Um, but she said, I do. I mean, nobody had a gun to her head. She said, I do. <laughs> and so, and, and look, the problem with that is your parenting skills. It's rubbed off on your children. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, and poor things. Now, 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 not only does your wife have to put up with you, but she's raising them. And look, I'm saying all this knowing she's not a lot better. <laughs> no, no. They're worse than me in some of that stuff. But so you're <laughs> saying that the coaches just get overruled on these on these competition committees. Really do. I mean, they ask your opinion, but they really don't want it. They really don't want it, I mean, you know. And and, and look, the, the the game is run by dollars, and you know that. I mean, it just is. Ah, it's just now. As far as the roughing 
the passer stuff. This, you know, it's really not new. I mean, they, uh, they've been doing this since the 90s trying to protect the, the, the quarterback. And um, do you – I don't know that it's any worse now than it was 10 years ago. I just I, – I just – I just don't know. I, I get more, way more upset about made-up calls and pass interference calls than I do the roughing the passer thing. So I never. So I didn't coach on defense until my last three years, and and, and I used to tell the defensive line, if you get held, that's your fault. Same way I told the, the receivers when I was a receiver coach. Well, he's holding me. Oh, well, don't let him hold you. I mean, nothing says you have to let him hold you. You know, there are things that you can't do. I know that we, we, we started a lot of scrimmage when I was coaching at USL, and, and I'd tell the receivers, just tackle the DBs. The first play of the scrimmage, I, I would ask the coordinator to call a run play and just go tackle them, throw them on the ground, slam them, start a fight, whatever you got to do, because that's the last time I want to hear about holding. It's going to come from their side of it. They're going, oh, he's holding. Okay, good. Now, about eight flags would jump, throw in the air. Kostoki would get mad at me and say, you're so stupid. Yes, sir. But then I was just doing it for a reason because, look, don't get held. Then I started coaching on the defensive side of things. <laughs> and, Kevin, I, and, look, it wasn't as bad when I was coaching there to have to deal with it. But I don't know how those guys are expected to play it sometimes and, and get, you know, you see the rough in the passer last night. I don't know how, how how that happens. You know, the thing on Tom Brady, I just don't know how that happens. Now, look, I understand the guy threw Tua to the ground, but Tua weighs a buck 80 and the guy weighs 500. <laughs> you know you know what I mean? I mean, that's like me throwing Vance. You know, well, if I don't try and take care of him, then then I'm probably going to slam him down. The problem that, that, that goes into that whole play is the violence in which that defender has to, the, the aggression in which he's got to play with just to get to the quarterback. Right. Just to get there, he's fighting with a dude that's every bit as big as him, that's every bit as strong as him. It's probably not as athletic, but, but it, it, and it is a fight to get there. And he finally gets there. Oh, look, I'm, I, I, I'm here now. But I gotta calm it down. I can't throw him to the ground. And I gotta I maneuver my body in a certain way. I mean, I, I don't oh. know. I just—it's crazy. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how you can get away. How how you can not get penalty? I really don't. Especially the way they call it now. But again, like uh, as I said before, is that the game is ruled by the dollars? All right. Did you see the Saints game? And look, I know the Saints won, but I I, I just I, I that was just an awful performance I thought I you know what were the safeties <laughs> doing in that game Did, I mean how can you let a guy run by you with no time left and you just there's nobody there I don't know <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you know we get this the opposite of the critique with the cages said the safeties were too deep and then all of a sudden this you got the safeties that are just running but I, I don't know I don't know where their eyes were. I don't know what the, what they were thinking right there. I know that there was not a lot of respect going into the game for the opposing quarterback, which was obvious the way they played the defense there, that they were, you know, challenging him a bunch. But, uh, you know, by the end of the game, anybody can make a play. Heck, I I, I, I saw the pass, what do you call him, Superman or whatever you call yeah. it? Not Superman. Uh, Batman. Uh, yeah, but I tell you, you know, the pass he threw was a strike, yeah. you know. They every blind squirrel do, and look, all it takes is one in that case. But yeah, and, and look, I don't watch it the same way you watch it, so it was fun to me. You know, I, I was doing some work outside, so I'd come in and watch it. Julie would, 
I, I like Julie's reaction to things because Julie doesn't see much until it just it's it's almost got to be a highlight to wake her up. I mean, a couple of weeks ago when they were playing playing tandem, she starts she comes around and says, they're fighting. Everybody's fighting. <laughs> and I went in there and there was no fight. You know, they were arguing. But anyway, so uh, I thought it was a fun game, and I I, I kind of felt like you were going to be over the cliff. But uh, we said it. All I was the time. just mortified. You take, you take the W and run. Oh, no, look, I slept much better than I did the previous three Sundays when they lost, no question. <laughs> the calm that comes over me was still there, but in terms of just analyzing the performance, I just thought it was dreadful. But anyway, all right. I, for, you know, when, when the la- when the last game ended, I'm like, how in the world are they going to beat Marshall? But the more I look at I really think South Alabama's better than Marshall. Do you agree? I do. I think Marshall struggles to throw the football. I don't know. You know, Marshall's quarterback last year that played against the Cages in the bowl game is, is starting at, at Virginia Tech. Uh, the running back that played against the Cages in the bowl game hasn't played all year. That doesn't mean he won't play uh, t- tomorrow, tomorrow night. But 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 if he doesn't, they're not the same Marshall team. Defensively, they do have some transfers in there that can make some plays. Uh, and, and pretty good players. Got a kid that transferred from McNeese out of Iowa that, that's uh, playing really well back there. And uh, you know, but but and we know Lance Gidry, the defense coordinator, and, and Lance is going to do a really good job. Always does. Uh, but uh, talent wise, the, the South Alabama probably if if you tried to stack them up, South Alabama will probably uh, rank uh, talent wise ahead of the Cajuns. I mean, ahead of Marshall. Um, I, at one time going into the season, I thought that Marshall would be the best team. Uh, that the Cajuns w- would play up to this point. And and look, I'm not saying it's by a lot. But I think it's it's really close, and and you know I may give the nod to South Alabama, uh, you know. But Marshall did beat Notre Dame, and that didn't happen by accident. And so you know <laughs> they've got players, and they can make plays. Just they struggle to throw the football. And when you're one dimensional, then I think that it gives the defense an opportunity to be successful. This could be a really low scoring game. I, unless the under is like eight, I take the under. <laughs> And I don't even know what it is, and I'm tell I tell people all the time, don't bet with Gerald. Gerald loses all the time, so it'll probably be a hundred and ninety nine. <laughs> but you know, looking at there, everything says that it's going to be a very low scoring game. Look, they lost to Troy sixteen to seven. A similar type score would not shock me. No, I'm serious when I said, hey, I mean, if both teams are in single digits, I would not be surprised. I think it's going to be hard to score to <laughs> to, to finish drives and score. Now the Cajuns have given up big plays. And if they keep from doing that, I think Marshall's going to struggle to put a complete drive together. Same thing on the other side. If the Cages don't get big plays, I think they're going to struggle to put complete drives together. All righty. Well, um, I'm just trying to remain sane. Um, and, and then the Astros <laughs> start the playoffs today. And I'm going to be on a plane. And then on the game two, I'm going to be on a plane. And I, I, just pray for me. I, I told you, and I did. I even texted you during mass. Yes, yeah. You know, let you know that <laughs> I always do. But look, I really do pray more for your family than you. <laughs> All so. right. All right. We'll see you up there. Thank you, sir. Be safe, pal. Bye. All right. We'll take a time out. Come back. Finish out the first hour on the game. Tune in every weekday at eight fifteen a.m. and three fifteen p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. One zero three seven Lafayette and one zero four one Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. You know, we were talking about with Gerald things that we don't understand because people like me and most of you are not coaches. Well, I used, I, I don't know, about 15, 16, 17 years ago, whenever exactly it was, when LaDainian Tomlinson was playing for the, for the Chargers, he was their offense. And so I would constantly be saying on the air, look, I'm not a coach, so obviously I'm not, I don't get it. But how in the world can you ever devise a defensive scheme or a defensive play in an isolated situation that does not have one or two people on LaDamian Tomlinson? So if you're playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I understand Mahomes is good and Andy Reid is good, how can – Travis Kelsey be open all the time. Again, I'm not a coach. I've never tried to do it. I So obviously there are a ton of things that I just don't get. <clears throat> but I've watched it my whole life. I just, I just don't understand how you can – I mean, it can happen here and there, but with him it consistently happens. He's constantly wide open. I just – I don't get it. I just, I don't get how Ladanian Tomlinson was wide open, and and that made even less sense than the Kelsey thing because you know what you still got to defend wide receivers and running backs, but man, Kelsey is just constantly wide open, constantly. It's mind boggling. All right, that'll do it for the first hour. Another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. The game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to get in, um, certainly feel free. We'll be talking with Cody in the next segment, like we always do, get more in-depth about the Cajun matchup with uh, Marshall. There are a few numbers, a few things that we need to delve into to get you ready for that game tomorrow night from um, Huntington, West Virginia. <clears throat> I, uh, I saw, I, I love the movie We Are Marshall. Hannah's probably never seen the movie, right? We Are Marshall. No. I asked one of the UL football players over the weekend. They had not seen it either. I just, I don't know. My my, my wife and family's, you know, death in sports. So they say, yeah, you know, we know. Those are the things I, I love watching about. So, the, you know, they, they, uh. They they don't like it even though they really do they just don't want to admit it to me but no I, so it, it's gonna kind of be a weird trip for me because obviously um, for those of you who don't know you should know I mean there was in 1970 there was this awful tragedy where the plane crashed and the whole football team died with the exception of a few people who weren't on the plane and and they in the movies about rebuilding a football program after such just an unconscionable tragedy and 
you know, it was obviously, I was four years old, so I don't remember. I mean, as I got older, I heard the stories about it, and then they made the movie about it. Um, you know, I just I just think it's a, it, it was awful, fascinating subject, and <clears throat> was um, well done, I thought. So it's going to be kind of, I don't know what the word is, interesting, intriguing, cool, I don't know, to to go there, you know, it's such a kind of an iconic storyline in the history of college football in this country. And so, um, and, and it's a place I've never been to before. So it'll be interesting. It'll be more, you know, an, more of an interesting trip and place to be and see. And um, <clears throat> Coach Marlin in yesterday's presser said that the, the little restaurant that was in the movie uh in several of the scenes was uh, is a spaghetti shop now. I love spaghetti. I mean, I can eat a lot of spaghetti. Now I don't know if they'll put corn on it for me, but um, I might have to might have to check that out. We'll see. So it'll be it'll it'll be interesting. Again, the game hotline seven zero six zero one one one. If you want to call and talk about baseball, talk about the Monday night football, the controversies with quarterbacks, any of that certainly, as well as Cajun football tomorrow. We did, we got a few comment calls yesterday about the LSU situation over the weekend. Certainly, uh, I want, I'd love to hear more about your um, opinions on that. Like, what, 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 what now? Like, where do you go from here? It's It's been a weird season for LSU because, again – I went in not thinking they were going to be too good, and then they played a little better than I thought, and then they had a great win, and then I'm like, well, maybe they're better than I thought they were, and then they the Tennessee game happened, so kind of just don't know what to think anymore. All right, let's go to the game hotline. Hello. Foot, I forgot to ask you, how, how are you and Hannah in the same room, and you okay with that? When, whenever the Braves played the Astros last year, I, you, you got so mad at me, I wasn't even well, invited back. for one now, thing. What happens if the, if the Seattle wins today? For one thing, you're not as nice as Hannah is. You you were mean, okay? And and so it's best if friends who are as into it and passionate and mean and heartless and and cutthroat, it's best if we just not together. We just can't. Now, I like it, Hannah, like let's say we were at home and we were all pulling for the Astros. If Hannah was sitting there pulling for the Mariners, she'd have to leave too, but that's different than being at work together. I mean, you yeah. Know, he also, different. if you're not watching us on simulcast, um, he is currently wearing a just about teal color, light blue shirt right now instead of like a navy orange, navy, I mean a navy blue. I've or an never orange been shirt. into all that color stuff. So. I don't worry about stuff like that. So, so if if the Astros win today, you know Hannah's gonna. I mean, the Seattle wins today. Hannah's gonna be gloating tomorrow. I told her to be, be nice. Okay with it? I told her to be nice. I'm not going to be here tomorrow. Oh, that's yeah. true. Okay, so yeah. he won't be there. He won't be back. Right. And are we won't even get to talk anything until he gets back on Friday, and that'll be after the first two games are done and before the third one It's going to be strange because, like, like I said, the Astros have owned the Mariners forever. It'd be like, like if you lose to uh, the Yankees or the Punks or the Braves or the Cardinals, teams that I've had history with and have had animosity with in the past, you know, that's kind of – that's harder to deal with. But, like, if the Astros lose to the Mariners, it's going to kind of be like losing to your little brother. I mean, I, I don't I – don't, it's going to be strange. <laughs> now, and, Hannah, j- Hannah, just a little heads up. I'm talking about last year I was invited to the Astro 
him and his family had at uh at, at the rocking bowl and then when first of all when I walked in, one of the daughters looked at him and was dead serious said because I had my brave stuff on. She said, "Who invited him over here?" <laughs> and then and then after the game was over, they did it again the next night. I waited for my invite and I. I I no didn't invite. even talk to me. I was never invited again. He said, "No, you can't come back." No, he can't come back. Uh-uh. Yeah. And this... and and my family hadn't talked to him since. <laughs> I guess that was right. That's that said that. That's the truth. I'm telling you, they they vicious. They don't they don't play that game. <laughs> now, Foot, to change the subject one minute, you do know that uh, Olave cannot even practice with the team until Thursday because of the new uh, uh, Bridgewater did not even have a concussion. He just he fell and and because of what happened with Tua, they're getting so serious with this all of a sudden now because of what happened. He can't even be evaluated again before Thursday and 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 practice, but without pads and everything. So the chances of somebody playing that they get a concussion on Sunday, the next Sunday, is not good anymore. No well, matter, it's not good, but it, it, especially if you're a quarterback. But if you're not a quarterback, I think if if you pass the test, you still could. But it 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 reduces the chances, no question. Yeah, I mean, and and if you look at that sack that 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 the Cincinnati when Tua was got really hurt that Thursday night, and you look at what's happening with Brady and last night, isn't that a joke that? That guy didn't even get a flag that night, and and what's happening with the with the roughing the quarterback calls now? Well, but again, I, I don't I don't think either situation with Tua was overly brutal. I, I I don't. It wasn't like they body slammed him or hit took a cheap shot on him. I you know I, I just but, but look, watch that sack and watch the one last night and the one on Brady and tell me. Tua should got, shouldn't have got a flag if the other two did. Oh well, no. Tua was a hair more than both of those. If if, if any of the three should have got one, I think it was Tua. I agree, but I don't exactly. think any That's of them should have got. But I don't think any of them should have got one. You're right. None of them should have got it. But if any one of them should have, it should have been him and not. There Brady was a little or, more or, force. Or the there, there was a little more force on Tua, but I think that's just because Tua's just not as big as as Brady. Yeah. Well, if you if if you're a quarterback and you get hit and and you take any time to get up now, the chances of you playing the next game are not good because even if because because they said Bridgewater passed all the tests, no concussion, no nudge, but he still probably won't be able to play Sunday. Man. I mean, which which is crazy. It makes no sense. But well, they're, they're, they're they going overboards. It's it, it it's why they suspended my coach for a whole year for something that didn't even happen. No one sued him. Uh, you know, it's yeah. just awful. I, I it, 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 it's a scary it's time. Good, I, mean, I get it because but of it. that. It, uh, it, you have, like I said, now we got to depend on a rookie that 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 blew the game Sunday, that took his first snap Sunday, and 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 oh, it's not who, looking good for Miami right now. Who, we, we, who do y'all I play next? Thought, we play Minnesota Sunday. Oh, they can score. Can they score? And and if we can't score, because I mean, and, and you can't. I don't feel I'm not fussing about the new the little guy. I mean, because yeah, he's trying, but I mean, it's just hard when you're a rookie and you take your first snap. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I know he didn't get no reps in practice and everything, yeah. and he's just coming out there and, and got a not not a good situation for no. the Miami Dolphins. We no. we need two of back quick. All right, talk to you later. All right. No, it's it, look, I. I hate the whole rough in the passer thing. But, again, we've been going through this for 20, 30 years now. 
you know, I remember it was it was a lot harder for me in the nineties when it first started in the mid nineties when they first started really protecting the quarterback. You know, I can remember playing a game at Cheetle Stick and the the Saints are, are beating the cheaters and 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 they get a stop. Oh, roughing the passer. They get another stop, roughing the passer. I mean, again, this has been going on for years. And so, I don't know. I, the good news is, I don't know if you heard the numbers that they were telling out today, that so far there are fewer roughing the passer calls this year than a year ago. So hopefully that continues that where it's, it, it goes down rather than up. Uh, with all of this, but even with the ones that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, it, it's um, there were there were fairly significant more calls through the first this many games last year than there have been so far this year. So hopefully it doesn't continue to escalate. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello, Taylor. Yes, sir. You know I mean, you know how many coaches has, has been getting fired. Behind this analytics stuff, and there's so much worried about analytics, analytics and all that, worried about what the people think they should do instead of doing what they should do. You know, it's just a bunch of craziness. And ever since this Atlantic, Atlantic, this analytics stuff took off, if you notice the trend, like a lot of these coaches have been getting canned because they make dumb decisions. You're listening to what the fans want you to do, or you're worried about the things that you might need to do instead of what you should do. And And some of the things they do is like, how can you do that? Like, Josh McDaniels, how can you do that, though? I mean, how can you be such an idiot and you do that kind of stuff? Now, we already know his track record and already. It's not too hot and everything. He's not a good coach. He's not a good coach. It's proven already. He's just a wannabe coach, and he's just pulling strings just to pull strings, man. And that stuff don't really win games. But I think most go fans. With the analytic stuff and all the analytics don't win your games. I, you know, like I, well, you said, a lot of these teams going for it on fourth down on their own side of the field now. In the 80s and 90s, that would never happen. Early 2000s, it never happened. Now, all of a sudden, the last, what, four years or whatever, it's just a, just a crazy thing that's been going on. And these coaches are too dumb to realize you don't you don't worry about analytics, can't you do the right thing. Don't worry about analytics. Well, I think a lot of analytics are good. You just have to – you just have to know how – you just have to manage them. And, and I think most fans are not for analytics. So I, I don't think they're doing what the fans want. I think they're doing what their lot, intel lot is telling them to do. do. What the fans want, Kevin. A lot of them do what the fans want. A lot of them don't make their own decisions because they're so stupid. They worry about what people are going to feel or how the fans should take it if they do this and do that. But they got to do what's best for the team, man. You know, and, and a lot of these coaches, that's what's really happening to them. They get caught up in this stuff. They get caught up in all this. Look look how dumb Harbaugh is now compared to the genius he was proclaimed to be the first couple of years in Baltimore compared to the last couple of years. You know why? Because of the analytic thing. Oh, now, all of a sudden, dangerous. he's doing things that he wasn't doing before because of the analytic thing. You know, I mean, like some of these coaches, you start off as a genius or you start off as a dummy. You start doing analytic things, all of a sudden you're a genius now. I mean, I just don't get it with some of these guys, what they be thinking, like Charles C. What are you thinking? <laughs> well, you know, last, last night thinking? was – I wouldn't have done that. I, I don't I don't know why he did that. I, I wouldn't have done that. But I'd have I been mean, furious this, with my coach. The same thing with some of these – the same thing with some of the, the previous games we had, some of these guys going for it on fourth down, and you're right there by the end zone. You can go ahead and go for it. I mean, you can go ahead and – 
and, you know, kick the field goal, you tie the game or whatever, you're going for two. I mean, what you doing? You don't go for two when you can tie the game up. Like Charles said, give your team a chance to even try to play defense and stop them. That way, if you but, lose, but okay, they, at least we did it but the But right listen, way. they still had the same chance last night. They just didn't get it done. And But, but again, they'd at least been going into overtime if he went and, and – uh, so that's why I'd have kicked goal. the yeah. If if he'd have kicked the extra point, they'd at least be going to overtime. But that's and, what I'm saying. I mean, and, you can and the other thing that I hate but, is I mean, I don't know. Man. I hate throwing deep on fourth and one and third and one. I hate that. I hate throwing deep on third and one and fourth and one. That's what they did. So he, you know, crazy. It's, it's it, crazy, it, man. It, like it, I it think, is. All right. NFL has changed a whole lot in the last couple of years, and record changes more every few years. Like I, what we had for the next five years. What we headed for? Some people, nobody know, but I'll tell you uh, what, some people crazy. are suggesting two hand touch on the quarterback. So we'll, hopefully we yeah, never get to that. That's what but, it's be. But it's know, possible. It's gonna be it, two hand touch for the guys that's wearing the skirts. It, 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 Later, it, Cal. It's possible. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll get to Cody on the other side on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. The little MVPs. The Little MVPs. Now, a Major League Baseball team that struggles to win games despite having multiple MVP winners on its roster. Also known as the Los Angeles Angels. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes, Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, I want to remind you about the Sweet Dough Pie Festival. I'm sure Cody would appreciate a good Sweet Dough Pie. The Sweet Dough Pie Festival returns Saturday, October the 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. where all kind of pastry chefs and cooks will be vying for the, for the prize of the best Sweet Dough Pie contest where the public is the judge. And, of course, there'll be plenty of pies if you go there to observe it available for purchase. Again, it is Saturday, October the 29th from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. at the Grand Coteau Town Park in Grand Coteau. For more information, call 331-6352 or visit the Town of Grand Coteau's Facebook page. All right. Before we get to the Cajuns, Mr. Juno, you and I have discussed the Mariners many times over the years, and here we go, Astros-Mariners in the postseason. Yeah, not a fan. Uh, you know, uh, not not a fan. I told my wife this morning that, uh, you know, and of course she looked at me uh, stupid when I said, man, it's a very stressful day, and, you know, I'm going to play the stupid Mariners. But um, she laughed me off, but, yeah, not a fan here. Well, it, it's, uh, you know, they're a little bit scary because although the Astros have owned them forever, they, they, they've roughed up the Astros a few times this year. No, I, I think back to that early, you know, early on, Astros kind of got out of the gate a little bit slow, but that, what was it, second or third week to go up there and, and you know, Mariners pitching just kind of shoved. And, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm worried about not having played a game in almost a week. Um that's another part of the scary thing for me. And the fact that they had this big comeback win, they've got Uncle Mo on their side. But, uh, you know, for the Astros, we've got JV going today. So uh, anytime JV's out on the bump and it's JV day, usually it's a good thing. 
Uh, a lot of times it is. All right. Cajuns and Marshall. And the more you dig into this Marshall team, you know, they have their fit. You know, obviously, they beat Notre Dame. Great victory. Great for the conference. Great for Marshall. Great for anyone who pulls for the underdog. And yet, you know, they're not necessarily much more of a well-oiled machine than the Cajuns are right now. It doesn't seem like. Very good on defense. Probably a little better than the Cajuns on defense, although both teams are really good defensively. But they've had their own issues. The difference is they seem to run the ball more effectively more often than the Cajuns. Well, again, that's been the big issue for Louisiana all year long, right, is running the football. Uh, and, and so, you know, candidly, they did a much better job against South Alabama last week than, than any of us thought. But, you know, the inability to run football is one of the things that, that, that you know, helped ULM stick around, right? It, it didn't allow the Cajuns to put the uh, the Warhawks away. And so, again, after, the, you know, the start that the Cajuns have gotten off to, uh, the two and three start, having lost three in a row and, and finding themselves up against the wall, for me, this is more about Louisiana and, and, and what, you know, what can they do? What mis- uh, what mistakes have they been able to correct with the, you know, the extra few days uh, and going into what's going to be a very hostile environment, right? Coming into this year, I think everybody had this game circled, you know, probably most folks of the Cajuns would be undefeated at, at this point, but go back to that bowl game, right? And uh, what seemingly, you know, from a, a bowl game all of a sudden kind of sparked this robbery between uh, Louisiana and Marshall, at least on, on the fan front. And I think they're going to be fired up to go tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night at Jones C. Edwards stadium and in Huntington, West Virginia. And so uh, it's going it, to, the Cajuns are going to have to have a lot of things go their way. I think if they're going to want to, uh, to come out and put it into the streak. You know, one of the things that's unique is this is their, I don't know that I really even considered until I kind of, Stumbled. This is going to be this. You know, they just joined the conference, so this is their first home Sun Belt Conference game. So it's it's you know it's an important game for the Cajuns because they've lost three in a row and they really want to win a game. But I don't know that it's going to have that uniqueness and novelty to it that it will for Marshall. Yeah, perhaps. Now, look, I do think playing on a Wednesday night kind of takes away some of that, right? Like, yeah, the TV's great, ESPN2, awesome. It's a freaking Wednesday night in in October, right? Like, that changes some things uh, a little bit. Now, I also don't think that that uh, is is Charles Huff's, you know, number one talking point on his his whiteboard saying, hey, boys, we got to go get them because it's the first ever home game as a member of the Sunbelt Conference. But I I think they do certainly want to – you know, again, this one's got to start next to it because of the bowl game. But also, every I don't care what the Cajuns' record is moving forward. Every week, right, sharks smell blood in the water. Uh, and everybody, again, the Cajuns have been the hunted team for, for now five years in, in division play. And and so it, it's, it's a big matchup anytime the Cajuns are on the schedule. And, again, I don't really care who the opponent is. All right, so – there are a couple numbers that stick out to me when looking at what could potentially happen in this game. And one of them is two. The the Cages have been really good at returning punts this year. Only two punts that Marshall has punted has been returned this season. And that tells me that they kind of probably, their punter doesn't kick it really far. And he kicks a lot of what we would call ducks or are, there, are they kicking out of bounds a lot of... Uh, so, but it, so it seems like it's their normal thing, but they're probably going to try to take Eric Guerra's punt return out of play tonight. 
Well, uh, I mean, you would think that that would be uh, whether that was their normal, you know, operating standard operating procedure or not, right? I, I don't know why anybody's kicking the ball to seven. Um, and, you know, we saw that against ULM, right? They they went away from him the first couple of punts, and and they were bad kicks, you know, and 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 so he's a real weapon back there. Um, but what the Cajuns have got to do when they do get an opportunity to have those big returns, as much as you hate catching punts, the offense has got to come out and the offense has got to find a way to take advantage of what, you know, more times than not has been really good field position thanks to the, the punt returns. The other number is 19. Marshall has given up 19 quarterback sacks through five games. Uh, the Cajuns, I mean, no, and Marshall's a Two defenses have both gotten about, you know, like 11 or 12. So 19's a pretty big number. That's something that the Cajuns may need to take advantage of if they're going to stick in this game and try to pull off an upset here. Yeah, so again, um, you know, the Cajuns have uh, have recorded 11 sacks and and given up uh, seven, right? So pass protection has actually been a little bit better for Louisiana than than the run game as far as how the offensive line has played things. but, you know, and again, I think the defensive line has maybe been one of the stronger, surprising, stronger points of, of the Cajun defense, which, you know, as you noted earlier, has played really well. Uh, you know, going to come in today just giving up, you know, 20, less than 21 points a game. And, and so, yeah, if those, those guys up front can get after it, um, it you know, it's, it's going to go a long way. Now, again, you have to, you have to focus on that run game, right? Because that's what Marshall wants to do is run the football. Uh, but if you can get them in some obvious passes down, it seems like you have an opportunity to get to the quarterback. Now, the quarterback that was there, the running back that was there last year, Ali, has not played yet this year. He's been injured. But the kid who took a spot, I mean, he's had a hundred yard game in every game. I mean, I mean, I, I'm not, I don't, I haven't seen him run enough to know if he's more as explosive as Ali was. But he's obviously doing a good job. He's got a lot of yard. I mean, he, they're leading the conference in rushing. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I think it's what. Charles Huff wants to do, right? Be big, physical up front, beat you up, run the football, pound you into submission. And so that's the game plan, right? I mean, uh, look at all the success that the Cajuns have had running the football in the past. Uh, you know, I think we had a little bit of an idea of who Monty Bailey was, but we certainly didn't know who Montreal Johnson was, right? Like, and, and, and so these guys have kind of – everybody – my point is I think everybody just kind of steps up, next man up, and there's a lot of talent in that backfield, Um and it just proves, right, because we, we know how good Ali was. We saw him firsthand, and they've got a guy that, that's apparently, you know, had no problem picking up the load. All right, one quarterback, uh, unless he gets injured, but one quarterback, right. uh, what impact do you really think that's going to make? Well, let's see if it allows Ben to play looser, right? Um, you know, knowing that, hey, every drive is his drive. Uh, you know, let's see if it allows the receivers to get in more of a rhythm. Um, and, and, again, I think that's it, right? I think Ben and Chandler have played, you know, all things given when you chart out the season through five games, you know, pretty similar, right? Um, one guy's had a better game here. The other guy's had a better game there. Um, you know, I think what we've seen – with Ben is his ability to maybe make things happen on the ground a, a little bit more. And, and we saw the Cajuns try to get the quarterbacks involved in the run game a little bit more against, against South Al last week or, or the last time out. So again, continuity, right. Which is just consistency. It's just something that this offense has lacked. And, and again, I don't necessarily think it's, you can put that all on the, 
the, the usage of both quarterbacks, right? But, you know, just consistency. It's something we've talked about, I feel like, almost every week. Uh, you know, make the great catch, drop the slant that puts you from, you know, first and 10 to second and two. Now all of a sudden it's second and 10 and you're behind the chains, right? Just making the, the, the normal plays. Uh, get the quarterback in the rhythm to make sure he's hitting those easy throws, which the Cajuns haven't done uh, at all times this year. And so I think it, that's 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 the main thing, right? Consistency, one guy, continuity, and we'll see how it plays out tomorrow night. Well, the the I mean, the players are still saying, and the coaches are all saying the right things. Do you sense that? They've really not lost confidence because they they're not talking like they've lost confidence. Well, uh, you know, I, I, you had a column that I think pointed it out the other day, right? Like the, the ULM and the South Alabama games were played, you know, almost identically to the way they were a year ago, right? Uh, the scores were almost identical. The problem is the Cajuns found themselves on on the the wrong side of that, and so again, it, and and you've heard them talk a lot about. It's us, it's us, it's us, right? So they feel that they're not being, you know, out schemed or out, you know, played or, or out, you know, talented, right? Uh, you know, the Jimmy's over there are better than the Joe's over here. It's the, it's about eleven men doing their job each and every time out. And what we've seen is, is again, that has not happened nearly enough, and, and that's why the Cajuns, you know, despite giving up, uh, you know, twenty points and twenty one points, have lost the last two ball games, right? And, and look, it was a bad night at Rice. I think you kind of just throw that one and put that one aside. Um, but for me, that, that's what it's about. And, and, you know, 11 you have to have 11 on 11 each and every down, and that's what the Cajuns have been able to do yet this year. And by the way, Rice has taken Houston to the – to the very end, yep. and beaten UAB since beat UAB. then. Right. Rice was better than everyone thought they were, and I thought that going in. Well, I, I think they were better. I'd also tell you, it was, I mean, the Cajuns played about as bad as you could play, right? 43 offensive snaps. But, yes, to your point, Rice is better uh, in retrospect today than, than everybody thought, except for you, apparently, <laughs> heading in there. All right, so uh, do you think it's going to be as low scoring as 16-7 to against Troy, or do you think – are we fooling ourselves on how low scoring this could be, Timor? Well, I think anytime you think the two off, two defenses are going to go in and dominate, that typically uh, what happens is it you know typically goes the other way. Um, no, I, I mean, you know, here's the crazy thing about that Troy game, right? Troy moved the football up and down the field. 321 yards through the air. Marshall threw for just 78. Uh, both teams ran it for, for right around 100. It, it, the total offense in that one was 421 to 174. The problem was Troy just couldn't score, right, when they got into the, into the original. So I guess, yes, bend but don't break defense, right? Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, and I honestly haven't even checked on what the, uh, what the total over-under is. Uh, I know that the Cajuns, when the Lions came out on Sunday, were a seven-point dog. Um, but, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're going to have to tend and think that defense, especially because the Cajun offense hasn't proven that it can put up an abundance of points uh, really outside of that second half against um, against Eastern Michigan. All right, so did you see the movie We Are Marshall? Yes. Did you like it like I did or not really? I mean, it's an historical, you know, it, um, I don't know that I liked it or, or disliked it. 
it, it'll it'll be an, it'll be a little different twist to this road trip, is what I'm saying than than most other ones that we go on. No. Are you gonna Are you gonna be accompanying us? Am I gonna get to see you? Oh no, I'll I'll, I'll be there. I don't know exactly how all that's gonna happen. And if the Astros lose to the Mariners, then I don't know that I'm gonna want to speak to anyone for a while. But you know, we'll see. But yeah, I plan on okay. being there. Yes, sir. Good. Good. All right. Fun. All right. So. We'll see what happens. I appreciate it, sir. As always, thank you very much. You got it, buddy. Travel safe, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Take care, Cody Juno, Cajun sideline reporter. And resident Mariner hater. I don't know too many Mariner haters. He has always hated the Mariners. Really, he has. He's because you know what happens is I would say, "Watch out for the Mariners," and he'd say, "Oh, you always say that the Mariners. I'm sick of hearing about the Mariners." He would tell me, and then most of the time he would be right. Well, this time I was right. You better watch out for the Mariners. I like what they've got going. We'll see um, how it plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Want to remind you to join the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com today. Once you become a member, you become eligible for all kind of great prizes, including uh, fifty to one hundred fifty dollars gift certificate to Mister Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, fifty dollars gift certificate, half shell oyster house, or a twenty five dollars gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score any of these great prizes, or you know, this past season things like Astro tickets or um, you know, tickets to haunted houses and all the different things that come up from time to time by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at one zero three seven thegamecom dot com or one zero four one thegamecom dot com today. All right, so, you know, you, when you look at these series, and by the way, for those who have not um, determined or, or haven't gotten it set or didn't pay attention, Phillies Braves at 12.07 today, Astros Mariners at 2.37. The Guardians will play the Yankees at 6.37 tonight, all this 37 and 07 stuff. And then the Padres play the Punks at 8.37 tonight. So, a full day of Major League Baseball, you know, if I didn't have the jobs and flights and all this stuff, it would, it really would be cool. And, and um, Jules made the comment in the first hour, it's kind of like that first Thursday or Friday of NCAA tournament basketball where the game, you know, that those games normally start about 11, but this one starts at noon uh, Central Time, and, and you just, you could just watch it for 12 hours, really. I mean, that game tonight's probably going to end about, 11.30 or 11.45, somewhere in that range. And so it will be about 12 hours, 11 to 12 hours of, uh, of, of, of baseball. It would be tremendous to sit down and watch all of that. All right, let's go to the game hotline and talk to our old friend from South Lafouche. Hello. Hey, Foot. How's it going? Oh, it's you know I'm I'm scared to death uh, about Sunday. I'm just this shot of scared to death about this afternoon. So I'm kind of on pins and needles these days. Well, I wanted to tell you the reason they start at whatever seven is because it takes them seven minutes to see a bunch of nothing before the game starts. Yeah, you see? yeah. That's that's why. Okay, so you can count on the guy from South Lafouche for a history lesson. And then I have two comments, okay? Okay. 
Your history lesson, first of all, the NFL inducted the two-point conversion in 1994. Wow, I didn't think it was that long ago. Yeah, and and I I looked it up to verify it, but I remembered this. Why? I don't know. But the first coach who had the choice to go for two was June Jones when he was coaching the Atlanta Falcons. I remember Al Michael saying that during the Hall of Fame game. Atlanta scored a touchdown, and June Jones was the first coach who had the option to go for two. I don't think he did, but he was the first coach who had that option. Well, and June Jones, that cat, he um, he probably would have gone for two, you know, a lot more had he been the coach for for a long time because you know he he probably was pretty offensive minded. Always was. Now, with regard to last night's game, as a Broncos fan. I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. We needed the Raiders to win to tighten up the division somewhat, but I just couldn't deal with this two-point conversion. I heard Jay Walker say years ago that when you're on the road, you go for the win. He was talking about that LSU failed two-point conversion against Georgia back in the 90s, yeah. and even though it, the two-point conversion failed, he said it still was the right decision. I don't necessarily agree with that in the NFL. And I think they should have kicked the extra point, but what's done is done. Now, now, for the Broncos, though, look, I don't really think the Broncos have much of a chance of catching the the, the Chiefs. So, to me, the Broncos' best way for a really good season is to be a wild card. So, I think they're better off the Raiders losing than the Chiefs lose. Oh, maybe maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. I mean, we everybody's still mathematically alive for the playoffs. Right. So we're in, now, um, I wanted to tell you, too, this new baseball format that we have for the playoffs, I really like it, and here's why. In my opinion, they have taken a page from March Madness. You know, the first two days of the March Madness tournament, Yeah, matinee basketball is probably the best two days of the of the tournament, you know, when you got games starting at 11 o'clock in the morning, everybody, uh, all the ladies are mad because Young and the Wrestlers doesn't play. Right. But matinee basketball is great. I think matinee baseball is great. And I wish, I really wish they'd return one or two games of the World Series to daytime baseball, but that's not going to happen. But I think for these divisional rounds and last week's Wild card rounds, I think matinee afternoon baseball is really good, and I like the way they do in the playoffs now. Well, I just hope my team wins. I hope my team wins, too. <laughs> good thing is the same team. Yeah. All righty, <laughs> sir. All right. Take care. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for calling. Right. Have a safe trip. You I'll too. You Thank time. you. Uh, no, I, I hope the trip is safe for sure. Um, and I, I – Again, I feel a little better about the Cajuns' chances than I did when the week started because, you know, Marshall's not an offensive juggernaut. Now, look, they might go out and put up 30 points. I mean, the Cajuns could turn it over. All kind of stuff can happen. But they've got their own issues on offense as well. I just, I just, I'm just worried that their run defense is going to be more effective than the Cajuns' run defense, and that could be the difference in the game, but we'll see. Cajuns did a much better job in the run defense against South Alabama than I was expecting. Showed a lot of progress there. So, again, as they say, that's why they play the game. All right, let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know it's kind of early foot, but 
be like a couple of days away. But how you want to win that game Sunday? Um, I would like to win the game. Finally, putting pressure on the quarterback. Their biggest weakness is protecting. Joe Burrow, and I would like to win the game because they get about seven or eight sacks, and one or two of them Ooh, is a yeah. fumble. That This defense is not putting enough pressure on quarterback. They need to get back to that. Man, you kind of you kind of sound like me with the Tom Brady sacks. I always want eight of them all on him, yeah. at least eight. That's what it Man. needs to be. Oh, yeah. That would be nice, be. though. Seven or eight sacks with yeah. a couple of fumbles. Yeah. Doesn't that sound good? That sounds like a good recipe. Ooh. Because oh, the, the secondary is going to need beat it. Him up. That happened, boy. You going to be beat up. I tell you that. Um, the the the, the secondary, especially if that's day one, don't play. I don't know how they're going to defend anyone. And and what what I just witnessed last week was just was just awful. So I mean, I'm yeah. I, I I don't know. Yeah, I wonder if I wonder if Higgins is going to play because he didn't play. The, this previous week that could make you a know, big difference. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah, that, that that's yeah. Huge. I, was, I, was, I was thinking about that last night. I said, I wonder if he's gonna he's gonna play in the game because last week I don't know what, what he had going on. It was something. I think he started the game or something. He didn't finish. Something happened, but he didn't play basically. So, and they kind of was missing that weapon, you know. So I was kind of wondering if he's gonna play this weekend. He's a big part of what to what they do, you know. Chase Chase is good, but he can't do everything, you know. So, you know, I mean. And Joe Mixon hasn't really got going yet, too. So we got to kind of lock him down, too. We don't want him to have his breakout game of the season against us, you know, because he hadn't really done anything yet. Well, I uh, right now I can't. You, you're correct in everything you just said. I just I'm trying not to think about it too much because I'll get too depressed. Yeah, well, don't, don't be depressed, Kevin. You got <laughs> you got better you got better things coming fall uh, coming later. Just, oh, don't be too I depressed so. right now. And I want to tell you also. In, Enjoy your trip and be safe, man. Cause I know you feel like me. You hate airplanes, so just enjoy yourself. God bless you. All Talk right, you thank later. you. Thanks, thank you. Um, no, I, I think he's right. I mean, they're going to have to not Joe. They they've got to shut down the running game, which they didn't do again this week. Uh, you know, I was really worried about. Um, I was really worried about the run defense coming in. It's been good at times, but not really been as good as it has been. Obviously, they gave up the one big run last week, but they got to get more pressure on the quarterback to protect the secondary, especially if the secondary's all injured. I mean, they've got to. Um, it's, um, it's a scary, scary matchup. But I've got two or three Astro games before that to worry about. So that'll help me at least not obsess too much about the about the Saints game Sunday, which is critical because the whole goal is to try to get to three and three. And if you get me to three and three, I feel like I got a chance if you get some healthy bodies back, but they just keep dropping like flies. It's just unbelievable. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll be back, finish out today's show next on the game. Um. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. We just have a few minutes left. Again, a reminder, Astros 237 first pitch. Mariners-Astros, 
and you can hear that all the action right here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station I think it's going to be important that the Astros score first I mean I think in baseball it's important for a lot of teams but you know that's kind of the Astros formula get a lead get six or seven innings out of your starting pitcher um and then have your bullpen get it done. Uh, obviously, the Astros bullpen is very fresh. We'll see, but you got to get to it, and 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 you got to get a lead. And again, the Astros have not hit Gilbert. I saw the stat yesterday, and I, I want, his ERA starts with two. I don't remember exactly what it was, but his ERA. He's pitched more than once against the Astros this year. He's got an ERA that starts with two. And look, it will not be surprised. The Astros have played high scoring games with the Mariners, and they've played low scoring games with the Mariners. You know. Verlander, for the most part, has pitched very well. His first ever start when the Astros got him was at Seattle, and he and he was completely dominant. But he did get really lit up in one game this year. They lit up Urquidy twice, and they lit up uh, Verlander once. And now Urquidy was just – they just lit him up all over the ballpark. Verlander, they just it hit some home runs against. And, and Verlander has given – you know, had some issues with the home run ball at times. Not as much this year. As in the past, so um, so you know we'll we'll um we'll we'll see how that plays out. I you know I think the one and two starters for the Phillies are good. Uh, I just don't think they've got the depth to do it, and it's just you know the Braves lineup is just so much more powerful than the than the Cardinals lineup. So I just um, I don't, I don't really see it. I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I all, you know, we've heard this thing, all good things come to an end and I don't know when it's going to happen, but sooner or later, I mean, the punks just can't keep dominating the Padres every time they play. Them. Now, maybe that'll be next year. Maybe it'll be two years from now. Maybe it'll be in this series. I don't know, but I mean, you can't just continue to just dominate what what is a pretty good team? I mean, it's not like they're dominating, you know, the Rockies or the Pirates or some team that's kind of down and you know and had a winning season in a while. Like they're dominating a team that that has winning seasons and that 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 goes to the playoffs. <laughs> they're just completely dominating them. So it's got to end at some point. I don't I don't know if it's going to end here, but um. If they could get their pitching set, which is, again, otherwise a wild card, you should have a disadvantage. But if they can get their pitching set, I like their chances of upsetting the, the punks a lot more. But without that, I don't know. I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen. And I think the Yankees scored too many runs. So that's that for that. All right. Appreciate all the phone calls. Y'all have a nice day.